That's as good as it gets right there. One of the NBA's all-time greats. And the Black Mamba strikes again. <laughs> Mamba mentality is it's a, it's a way of life. It's not an attitude, per se, but it's a way to live. Which is just trying to get better every single day. It's not something where you you know you live with like a bravado or anything like that. It's just it's just the simplest form of just trying to get better at whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, he's on fire, the Mamba. Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball. So expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our tribute to Kobe Bryant and discussing the current Los Angeles Lakers. So Jalen, one year ago today, we saw the death or we saw the death of Kobe Bryant and his impact is still being felt today as many people are honoring his legacy. Jalen, where were you when Kobe Bryant died? Bro, I was at the house chilling, to be honest. I was like half sleep just posted up, not really doing anything besides scrolling through my phone like normal. Um, and I was dozing off though. And my friends, we have a little sports group chat. Uh, the homies, uh, Ashton, Elijah, Tyler, we were just chilling. You know, that's our main, our main group and everything when we talk about mainly basketball. And the homie Joaquin comes in and he sends a text message that says, Kobe's dead. We respond, we're like, you're bluffing, bro. What are you talking about? Like, why are you acting like this right now? Get this, he get to saying it again, send the message again. He said, Yo, no, Kobe is dead, bro. I get to looking at Google. I'm typing fast as I don't know what. I'm not typing Kobe correctly. I'm not spelling it correct. Nothing. Cause I'm typing so quick, like this is not for real. And I finally get it typed up, hit Google search. And the first thing that pops up is like the little video image from what was going on with the plane or with the helicopter. I was like, ain't no way. I was like, this is this is not real life. I get to scrolling further through the Google because I'm like, wait a minute. There's got to be some ta-da moment. There's got to be some, you know, spectacular situation that took place where this did not actually occur. Nothing popped up that said otherwise. I get to going through Instagram. It's already stuff in people, in my TL of people flooding IG with this did not really just happen. I can't believe it's RIPs already, right? And the the worst part about it was like it never ended after that either. Like later on, we found out Gianna passed away and the same thing. We found out that a litany of other people, one was actually a family pretty much. Other ones was pretty much other players, a part of this Mamba Academy team. And like, it just really set in like, yo, like not only, you know, did we lose Kobe, but there was like a ton of lives lost in this same one singular incident. And yeah, bro, it's kind of weird just talking about it now. Cause when you think about where you were while we were big chilling, he was making moves. It's crazy. So the reason why I mainly asked that question was because it really was a where were you when this happened type of moment? Um, for me, I was at my job and I went and for a couple of minutes, my phone was blowing up with a lot of text messages. A lot of people were texting me and it was in the span of about, I said like a couple minutes, probably five minutes. So I go to the back in the break room 
and I checked my phone and I had a couple of messages from my mom and with a group chat for my college radio show. And they all said the same thing. Kobe Bryant is dead. Kobe Bryant passed away. My friends can't believe it. And I look at, I look at it and I was looking through information. I was looking on my phone to see more information about it. And there were a lot of confirmed reports and I just couldn't believe it. And I go to show a couple of my coworkers and I tell my one friend, Kobe Bryant passed away and he, and he looked confused for a second. And then I showed him my phone and then other coworkers gathered around. And I think within about a couple seconds, everybody was speechless and the entire place went silent. I couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. And the first thing that I thought about when I got home that day was how short life really is. Kobe Bryant was 41 years old and he had just won an Oscar about, about two years prior. He was doing things off the court that were as equally influential as what he did on the court. And I came home that day and I kind of thought about most of the times when I watched sports center as a kid, I would see Kobe Bryant. That's the first thing that they would talk about or just show Kobe highlights of what he did in games. And one of my first basketball memories was Kobe Bryant winning his first championship without Shaquille O'Neal against the Boston Celtics. And it just kind of reminded me of how Kobe Bryant took over fourth quarters. And I feel like when he switched from number eight to number 24, I not only believe that it completely flipped the switch on his career, but it was like a new chapter in the book of Kobe Bryant, in the basketball career of Kobe Bryant. And I'll say, I said it before, and I I will say it again. Kobe was the reason why I got into basketball. And as we sit here and reflect after one year, still doesn't, it still does not feel real. No, facts. I mean, that's the thing about it. Like, you know, sound mad somber, like, you know, we lost a family member or something like that. And you got to think about it. Like, that's like really how it goes. I think it's something that's really interesting that you said is like, you thought about like, oh, how he used to like really take over fourth quarters and different things like that. Like, bro, like took over life in a way that like most athletes don't have the capabilities of doing, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, it just started becoming this cool thing over the last three to four years for maybe even maybe four or five for like athletes to have like these like very large uh business ventures this type of interest on beyond the basketball kind of type kind of stuff and the thing about it was when he did it he did it at the highest level you know lebron is quoted by having this like more than an athlete thing and like as much as lebron james might have represented that or does represent that like kobe bryant in a sense like set the set a bar for what that's like you know before you know lebron james ever is even remotely close to stepping away from the game obviously you touched on the whole thing with the oscar we know about the litany of kobe commercials there's too many memorable ones to count 
Uh, probably one of the funnier ones is the one he did with Lionel Messi, honestly. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was just nuts. Is there anything from like his career though, like a game, uh, a moment? Even if it, if you think it's the eight to twenty four switch, is there anything like in particular that stood out to you, or you think if you think Kobe, this is the first thing that pops in mind? I feel like there are way too many memorable moments throughout his career. And I didn't want to list all of them because there were so many, but I picked out a lot of my favorites and I would say a lot of them involved Kobe when he was wearing number eight, 81 points against Toronto, 62 points in three quarters against the Dallas Mavericks. The dunk he had against the Minnesota Timberwolves in the playoffs in 2003 in the target center, the infamous Kevin Harlan call where he said that, Kobe Bryant sucked the gravity out of the target center is maybe the most infamous 15 or 16 words in playoff basketball history. I would also say the game tying and game winning shots that he had over Portland in 2004 that led the way for the Lakers to make a finals run that year. I would also say the game tying and game winning shots that he had against Phoenix in the playoffs in 2006 during his MVP year. Um, so those are some of my favorite memories when when he was wearing number eight. But when he's wearing number 24, I think two particular memories come to mind. Um, the 61 points that he put up against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden in 2009, that was one of my first memories of Kobe Bryant wearing number 24 other than the Boston Celtics uh, or other than the uh, championship win over the Boston Celtics. And I would say the memory that I think of the most about Kobe Bryant wearing number 24 was the 60 points he had in his last game because it, it really put the exclamation point on the career of Kobe Bryant. And I think that that game is maybe the most memorable game to me considering that it was his last game. I mean, like you said before, and I think that's like a microcosm of his career, like, right, like the ISO score that could get his buckets anywhere he wants to, anywhere on the floor, uh, clear out, get out the way everybody's moving, can take anybody off the dribble. I mean, the highest volume of scoring, the highest level of scoring there is, like, you know what I mean? And that's why it was so interesting. We were talking about this before the podcast actually recorded. Like, I remember there was that stretch of like double digit games in a row where he averaged like double digit assists and you were just like, what in the world? Like, where does this come from? And that was his way of like showing like, like he can do anything on the court when he chooses to, when he elects to do whatever he feels is necessary, you know, it got done. And whether that was put up 60 or it was double, it was average double digit assists. Like he, he gave you everything that he needed. He gave you everything that you need as an organization, you know, both from a stability standpoint, but also like production on the court, which is like scary. So let's talk about where he stands in the greatest of all time conversation. Um, Jalen, I just kind of want to get your opinion first. Where do you believe that he stands in the greatest of all time conversation? So I'm in a weird stance right now having this conversation because of the fact that we know the implications of today. So I don't want to like use that kind of bias of today's date as anything in particular. Uh, to lean me one way or another. I've always been uh, a Jordan is the GOAT kind of guy. 
Um, this is coming from the same dude who's rocking a Kobe sweatshirt while having four Kobe's posters right above where we record, right above my head. But at the same time, if Kobe had to be anywhere on my list, it would be like tied for a second, if not second definitively with LeBron James. I feel like it's weird how people kind of just like put him or throw him under the rug. Like when we have these kind of conversations, it's like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, everybody else. Like the conversation is strongly shrunk down by the day. And I know that has a lot to do with the fact that like LeBron James is still dribbling a basketball. Michael Jordan is no longer in the league. He's an owner of the Charlotte Hornets now. And Kobe Bryant is no longer alive in general, which, you know, I don't think whether he was dead or alive, the conversation would be any different because it really hasn't been over the last couple of years. But I think that if we consider, if somebody like me considers Jordan to be the GOAT, right, then I feel like somebody like Kobe Bryant, who basically duplicated what Michael Jordan did in every way, maybe even more cerebrally, honestly, in terms of, you know, just overall improving on a year-to-year basis, and then you throw on top of that the fact that he had so much success in two different iterations of his career, the, the pre and the post Shaq era, which I think is a big thing because, yeah, you could say that he still had definitive all-stars with guys like Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum once upon a time, but those weren't guys that were on the all-star level of Shaq who could be considered as an MVP every season, um, at least around that time frame. So, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, if he's second, in my heart, it's, like, the closest second place that you can get. Now, whether or not LeBron James falls into that category, I think we're still writing, you know, writing up the books on that. But I, I got to put him at least second. So when we made our list for our top five favorite players of all time, I had I had Kobe Bryant at number one. And during that episode, I said that he was my pick for the greatest of all time. And I stand by that. I mean, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, one of the greatest shooters of all time, one of the greatest defenders of all time. I think he's a great facilitator. But I think the the ranking that I have or the advantage that I give, um, one of the advantages that I give Kobe over uh, uh, Michael Jordan is that I think he was a slightly better leader. Um, I also kind of think he is. I, I also think that he is the greatest high school player to ever go straight to the NBA. And I think in a one-on-one matchup between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan in their primes, I would pick Kobe. But another thing that separates, in my opinion, that separates Kobe Bryant from Michael Jordan is what he did off the court his influence on his fans and on other players in all leagues, I think will be unmatched. I think, like I said earlier, I think what he did off the court was equally as influential as what he did on the court. I mean, he, he created the Mamba Academy and he was a supporter of women's sports. For example, the WNBA. I remember when he was, when he was, he was wearing the orange sweatshirt with the WNBA logo on the front. I thought that was that was the coolest thing seeing that seeing that for the first time and for those reasons I believe he is the greatest of all time. 
Can't be mad at it, bro. Can't be mad at it. Like I said, when you have a when you have a career as duplicable as Michael Jordan's was, who most people or a good handful of people, I would say, believe is the GOAT. And then I guess if you want to factor in off the court stuff as well, I think if we talk about a, an all around person debate, then I think it's one of those things where Kobe Bryant might take it, uh, you know, by a million miles. But, you know, if we're talking about just strictly on the court, I still think that like it's the closest second you'll ever get. So let's transition now to the current Lakers. And I want to open up the discussion by asking the question of what stands out about the Lakers the most this season. So the Lakers are like just extremely interesting as a team right now, because somehow they're tied for the top of the Western conference in the most like low key way that you can possibly do when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, like they're completely like coasting through the regular season under the radar. And like, although it is on talk shows, it's like very casually discussed about just like how well they're playing right now. They're second in the league overall right now and points allowed as a defense. And I think that's one of the craziest things about them is that they're playing at such a high level defensively. LeBron James is arguably like in the like, He's arguably in like the top five, I want to say, in terms of the MVP discussion right now. He's averaging 25, seven, I guess you could say 25, eight and seven. And honestly, it's one of those things where you look at the circumstances of how they're playing with him leading the way. They've got a handful of guys shooting above 35% from three-point land right now. I mean, they're doing it in all facets of the game, and they've got a couple silly losses in there, I got to be honest. But for the most part, they're hooping as a team, and even with AD not really playing to, like, AD standards the last couple of weeks, uh, in particular the last four to five games, they've still been able to keep the ship afloat. And I think that's really interesting that the Lakers are just kind of doing this as defending champions – and being the most low-key defending champions like we've probably seen in a while. I think the thing that stands out most to me about this team is that they look like a complete team this year. Last year, I had a lot of questions about how far they would go in the playoffs. This team looks like a team that could make the finals. There, there are no flaws with this team. Their record is 14-4, and four, and Jalen, they're 10-0 and 0 on the road. They have five players averaging in the double digits in terms of scoring. LeBron, AD, Montres Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And they're getting solid bench production from Kyle Kuzma and Talon Horton-Tucker, who's been giving the Lakers a lot of consistent minutes. And Jalen, I just want to close off my take with this. You know it's over when LeBron's hitting no-look corner for uh, corner threes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? You know, he's like in his bag right now. He just gave him 40 plus the other night. Um, I think the biggest thing with them right now, bro, is that this is the kind of comfortability that most people say that champions play with, right? I think this is one of the things where like, I felt like LeBron James had one of his better seasons following his first championship in Miami. And I think this is kind of like a similar situation, right? Obviously, there's the infamous quote. I don't even want to call it infamous because I feel like now it actually looks like 
<laughs> almost like a prediction where LeBron tells uh, Kobe that he'll keep the legacy going and, you know, he'll, he'll take that torch and keep the mantle pressing on, especially for the Lakers legacy. And then last season does what he does in the year in question, you know what I mean? Under the circumstances that they were under considering the whole coronavirus thing, the bubble, so on and so forth. And um, I think the biggest thing about this year is right. You know, one of my bigger teams that's been quoted on the podcast more than enough times is one of my bigger teams is the, the Washington wizards. And They've had a million games canceled. They've had a full week of basketball that they were missed because games were postponed. And we've seen, you know, teams like the Celtics who, you know, didn't have Kimball Walker when the season first started, lost Jason Tatum due, due to quarantining. Like we've seen teams face COVID-based issues all year. And we've also seen the implications that that's had. We saw the Philadelphia 76ers who are like balling in the Easter conference right now, trot out seven guys <laughs> to play a game where Tyrese Maxey had to go bonkers just to keep them in the game. And yet the Lakers, you know, a haven't really been affected by it much and B are kind of thriving within the chaos, which, you know, the question will be, you know, which season is more asterisk last season or this season i think nonetheless i think the perseverance you see in this lakers team shows up regardless of which one you want to point the finger at as being the easier road or whatever the case you might be you mentioned earlier with the the mvp level discussion and where and where lebron james stands on that um i i want to transition to that because i feel like he's always been a contender but this year there's a lot of people who are contenders this year. I think there's, this is a year where I feel like there's at least 10 different candidates. Of course you have LeBron, Joel Embiid's having a MVP level season. Giannis who won back-to-back MVPs. He's probably in the conversation to try to win three straight MVPs. Uh, Luka Doncic and Devin Booker who were preseason favorites. And then we can't forget about, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. And then Demontis Sabonis, who pretty much came (laughs) out of nowhere, is having a great season. And he's even in the discussion. I think it's going to be tough for LeBron to to win this year. What do you think, Jalen? So that's the thing, man. I've been thinking about this for a little while because I've also been trying to, you know, come up with a really good article for the end of the month in terms of just looking at the landscape of the NBA at the moment. Of course, one of the bigger things right now is the quiet MVP debate, you know, taking place in the month of January. Like who's your who's your MVP through one month, one month and a half of basketball. Right. And I mean, the first people that come to mind, I genuinely think that a big man could potentially win the MVP with the way Nikola Jokic is playing right now. He's averaging practically a triple double at the moment. Joel Embiid um, is the next guy up on my list personally, because he's a dude that basically when he was on the court, the Sixers don't lose. Um, I think there was a crazy stat I heard a couple of days ago where like when Joel Embiid and Seth Curry both play, the Sixers are eight and no, like that is nuts to think about. Um, so his impact on winning his overall performance right now is significant. And you can also tell that he's kind of finally starting to get his body right, which is something that, you know, the, uh, the basketball masses has been crying for Joel and B to get healthy and 
basketball ready, like in basketball shape. And it's kind of finally starting to pay dividends, even though he's still kind of having issues with his back. But I think that's going to be one of those things that just kind of wanes on through his career career. Then I think LeBron James is maybe third. I think LeBron James at this juncture right now is in third place. Um, because he's doing it all on one of the better teams in the Western conference. And I think that's significant to touch on as well. I think really after that, it really is a toss up. I think Paul George is a legit candidate in this. I think DeMontis Sabonis, like you mentioned before, underrated dark horse MVP. I think this year with the way he's playing. And I think Jalen Brown's another one who's like, you know, he's played in spite of not having Jason Tatum. He might've even, he, you could argue he's played better than Jason Tatum so far this year when they both are on the court. So, like you said, I think the MVP race is tough. I think it's extremely crowded right now after a month of basketball. But I think he has a legitimate shot. I think the story narrative leans on his side a lot. Um, This is year 18. And um, that's huge to be even playing at an MVP level in year 18. So I think the story plot uh, notion in this also helps a lot. And then you throw out the fact that he plays a fun position. He plays, he's plays the wing position. You know what I mean? Not to hate on the big guys. I love Nikola Jokic. I love Joel Embiid's game, but the wing position is the hottest spot in basketball right now, outside of probably point guard. And he's playing that position probably at the highest level above maybe somebody like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. So to close out the podcast, let's, let's finish off with this question. Jalen, what percentage do you give the Lakers to successfully defend their title based on what you have seen so far? Man, so it's rough. It's rough. But I got to lean at like 55%. And I feel like that's hefty. I feel like that's significantly hefty to already be so, quote unquote, all in on the Lakers, even if. 55% doesn't seem like it's all the way in for me. It is because this is, this is a team that I felt like needed to get significantly better in the off season. And I feel like to a certain extent definitely did, but how the Brooklyn Nets chemistry starts to develop, I think it's going to be huge. I think when the Celtics get healthy, I think that's significantly important. The fact that the Clippers, just like I was talking about the Lakers being very under the radar as a top, you know, top-seeded team in the Western Conference right now. The Clippers are the team they're tied with for first place. And they've got Paul George playing at an MVP level on his revenge tour. Now, of course, I think we'll see more of the vengeance in the playoffs. If he doesn't do it there, it's not going to feel more like – it's not going to feel as much like revenge as he probably wants it to feel like. Kawhi Leonard's also playing at a really high level, and Ty Lue's got the rest of the team playing really good basketball you know you know the Clippers are dangerous when Patrick Beverly's one of your best three-point shooters and he also scraps up on defense the way he does so I think they're scary I still think Giannis and the Bucks have something to say about all of this as well I'm giving them a 55 percent chance because I feel like they're playing some of the best basketball in the league right now but I think as some of these teams develop again we're only in the first month but I think as these teams develop the the contenders versus pretenders list is going to start to fledge itself out by the end of February. And we're going to know who's real and who's not. And one of the scary teams that's in that mix is Utah, who I think we're going to learn a lot about over the next couple of weeks. So I think the Lakers got it cut out for them, but I still think they got a pretty good shot because they got better this offseason. You can see it. And I would say about 
I think they have a lot of tough challengers this year. In the Western Conference, you have some interesting contenders like Utah and Phoenix. I feel like Denver and Portland are always in the mix to win the NBA or to win the NBA championship, make it to the Western Conference Finals. Not a lot of people are talking about Golden State, though. And Golden State could be a threat to the Lakers, especially with Steph Curry and Draymond Green healthy. I think we could get a Clippers-Lakers Western Conference Finals matchup this year. I don't know what the odds are with that, but I think in the Eastern Conference, there are a lot of teams where I feel like that they have a good chance of making the finals. Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Boston, like you mentioned, once they get healthy. I think Indiana could end up being a dark horse in all of this. Sir. Like I said earlier with the way that DeMontis Sabonis has been playing, the new addition of Karis LeVert. But once again, I think it's going to be tough for the Lakers to defend their championship. Yeah, bro. It's going it's going to be a dogfight all year, bro. And it's excellent that we're kind of talking about this on Kobe Day, bro, because talk about the parity in the league right now. Scrappy, high-scoring basketball taking place. We had a bunch of OTs last week, which was crazy. We had 22 games that were within 10 points of each other in terms of the overall scores. Like, the league is getting scary competitive, scary competitive, and it's a great set of basketball to watch because this is the kind of basketball that keeps NBA fans interested. That's why we cover it, right? And speaking of Kobe Bryant, transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is your favorite memory of Kobe Bryant? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast, of course, Make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. What can I say? Mamba out.